1: Hey, folks, welcome into Onto Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahada Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Day later than usual, observing the Memorial Day holiday. And also, the Cubs had a doubleheader yesterday, so it would have been a little dodgy to record. We wouldn't have been able to know that the Cubs were swept in that doubleheader by the Brewers. Although we maybe could have guessed. We could have. <clears throat> we might have been able to record that one in advance and be like, oh boy. The Cubs. You know what we would have, you know what I would have said? I would have been like, boy, they were in both games, but they lost them both. That would have been what I would have said. And uh, would have been accurate because the Cubs, I believe, lead baseball now pretty by a pretty handy margin in one run losses, which um, actually, you know what? We're going to start there. I didn't even didn't even prepare you guys that I was going to ask you about this. So we'll get some real excitement right off the bat. But um, the, all the one run losses, we know that the cliches about, you know, oh, that means you don't have a very good bullpen or your guys aren't clutch. da. da, 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 da more advanced thinking and data analysis have suggested that those are just uh hokum and are not accurate but is there any signal here in terms of how the cubs are losing so many one run games do you do you attribute it to anything other than well i'll I'll leave it open to you i have thoughts what are yours i mean
2: i think i think it, it tells us they're not a great team right great teams will find a way to win more of those games Uh, so we knew we knew that we already knew they're not a great team i think they're this this goes hand in hand with some of the bad luck stuff we've talked about they're not this bottom five team uh this terrible you know just a joke in the league type roster but they're also not a playoff caliber team so they're not Capable of every little thing that they, every mistake that they make uh, gets capitalized on, and they rarely capitalize on the opposition's mistakes, and then that leads to little things piling up. I mean, game one yesterday, I mean, that's that's a game you should win with competent defense, right? I mean, not even, like, good defense, just... Average. If you have average defense in certain spots, you win that game because, I mean, that play by Clint Frazier was unacceptable. And, you know, like that's not how anybody should be playing left field. And and not, I mean, he he neither made the catch nor made the play on the hop and then cost his team a run. And uh, actually, you got to give props to Swarmer for, for not falling apart after that. I think he deserves a ton of credit for the way that that worked out for him. But um, yeah, I, I, I think it's mostly just like this isn't a very good team and very very good teams do find ways to win those games and you sprinkle in bad luck and this is what you get. You get a really bad record.
3: I They just don't have enough. Uh, I think it's on some level a, a credit to... David Ross and, and the coaching staff and the players in the clubhouse that they are in that many games. Like, I don't think we see them just kind of going through the motions here for, for the most part. But, like, there's no medals for for trying here. I think that's was like an old Bill Parcells saying. And, you know, what do the Brewers do well? It's like they capitalize on mistakes. They have their formula. And these games have these pivot points when they don't go their, your way. The Brewers absolutely nail those games down. And so, whether it's not generating uh, that extra run when you need it, um, you know, that no outs, bases loaded, and to not score a run is uh, really hard to do. Um, The bullpen has been great by and large this season, but like they're not going to be perfect. Um, and yeah I mean Swarmer's debut I mean more very respectable a credible outing like you could not have asked for anything more and then you have um, you know the defensive slippage like it's just in every area the Cubs just like come up short and that's a way to you know they have kind of enough of an infrastructure to be in games and you know I think that's the part of tanking that you know, at least I'm speaking for myself, I don't, you know, give enough credit at times. Of, like, these guys are working hard. You know, these guys want to win. Like, it's not the guys in the clubhouse or the uniformed personnel in the dugout that's not trying to win. But, like, how this team was constructed and how it was set off into 162 game season, it was not put in a position to succeed. There was a very small path towards success, and
1: they, have not found it yet and won't this year. Yeah. I think you guys are nailing it that this is a team that is good enough to be in a lot of games, but not close to good enough to win a lot of games. And um, I think also we fans, not so much media, or at least I won't throw you guys under the bus for this, but I know fans, a lot of us, we get really myopic about the one team that we follow. And I, I think people don't realize there are some really bad teams in baseball this year that are much worse than the Cubs. The Cubs are not even close to the worst team in true talent level in baseball, but they are likewise really far off from a playoff caliber team. I mean, I think that you don't like to draw two sweeping of conclusions from two months of play, but I think we can draw that one now that it's just, it's a pretty sizable distance uh, between this team and a playoff caliber team. But, uh, bridging that gap maybe in the years ahead. There's my transition into what I know we want to get into today. And you guys mentioned one of them. Uh, The Cubs had three prospect promotions yesterday to the big league team. The the doubleheader certainly afforded uh, an easier ability to do that. But I can't remember the last time the Cubs had three, you know, we can play around with the word prospect, but three minor leaguers who could contribute in the future come up all on the same day and make their big league de- debut on the same day. I, I, you know, and we had two weeks ago, it was Brandon Hughes and Christopher Morel on the same day coming up, doing some things. And of course, yesterday it was Nelson Velasquez and Matt Swarmer and uh, Anderson Espinosa all coming and contributing in their own ways yesterday. And I, a couple comments on that and I'll turn it over to you guys for your thoughts on what it means or doesn't. One thing that struck me uh, is that this isn't the wave. You wouldn't call this group the wave that's going to turn the page for this Cubs team. I don't think anybody, probably even in in the organization, sees that the the group that's coming this year and arriving this year and playing this year is like the group that's really going to make this a competitive team. Uh, Some of them could be a part of that, uh, but there's more coming and has to come. Because it's just how it's going to have to be, both inside and outside the organization. And to that end, it, it, it we've made this comparison before, but it reminds me again of that 2013-2014 period of time where there were guys coming up. You know, there were guys coming up that we we prospect nerds had followed for a while and wanted to see. And you, you sort of could figure out ways they could contribute. And you started to see just the, the very beginnings of guys who were going to end up being part of that really good 2015 to 2018 run. And I hope that some of these guys are that I, I have to keep tempering myself on Christopher Morel, for example, because he's had so much early success and because he's been so fun and because he's looked so good. Um, you know, I could, Pretty easily talk myself into being like, well, he was always incredibly tooled up. That was true. You know, you had the pandemic, which chopped out a year. We got to work at the alternate site. And then how much did we really learn about him in 2021? Maybe he had to sort of, you know, continue that work, take it into games for everything to really click. And then... The tools, you know, he made one change here or there and boom, everything clicked this year and it manifested itself in a guy who is actually going to be an everyday starter in the big leagues all over the field. He's the next Ben Zobrist. Da, 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 da. I have to pump those brakes. It's a weird um thing. That I probably feel a little burned. There's, there's no comparison among them, between the players. But like the start to say a Suzuki's career with the Cubs where I felt that like, there's going to be an adjustment time. There's going to, and it didn't come. And he looked so polished and he looked so disciplined and all these things. Where I was like, maybe some guys just don't have that. Again, no comparison between the players at all. It's just that has left me being overly cautious about like, oh, I don't even know if he's a contributor. I gotta, I gotta hold back on that. So that was one thought. And then another thing, just to plug something that Mooney wrote this morning, he wrote about a lot of the, these guys arriving and where it is in the state of the organization. And I thought he made a very keen and correct observation that despite those arrivals and the excitement about some of those players, again, among prospect nerds, the most excitement yesterday was about an outfielder getting promoted from low A <laughs> to high A. And that was Pete Crow Armstrong uh, starting his ascent up the minor leagues. That probably did generate more buzz than anything else yesterday. And I don't know what that says, but I think that, I think that does pair with the point that I'm making that it's like some guys are arriving. I like following it. I like talking about it. I like celebrating the great stories, but I'm not sure this is the arrival, you know, that we're really feel is coming in the future.
2: I mean, it's certainly not, it's not the, the core the future core or whatever the hell you want to call it i don't know if there is such but a we're thing not supposed anymore. to yeah we're not yeah. Suppo- there
1: is supposed to be one right there is isn't yeah. supposed to be a next core
2: well it's not the key offensive players that they that you look in this minor league system and say whoa look at those guys and look what they're doing. They're all at low A and high A right now, right? None of them have – I don't think any of them have even gotten to double A. Uh, But there are some interesting names at double A and triple A, and now they're starting to trickle up into the majors. So I think what this does and what this allows the Cubs to do is this is more intriguing. It should be more intriguing for the front office and fans to kind of look at than – uh, wishing upon Frank Schwindel and Rafael Ortega like they had to last uh, last second half, right? Because if these guys have those types of runs, you don't say, well, Nelson Velasquez is a superstar or Christopher Morrell is a superstar. You say, hmm, what do we have here? These guys are hitting and performing. Uh, what kind of roles can they play? Uh, you don't want to take a hot streak, especially a guy like Velasquez, who is super, I mean, when he gets hot, it's just like, what is this guy? And then he gets really cold, and you're like, oh, that's what he is. He's a guy that's going to just be like extreme ups and downs, and you you can take that. There are players like that on winning teams. They're just not the centerpiece of of those teams, so... So it, it's, it's useful that they're getting hopefully four months. I, I hope we don't see these guys get sent back down for players that aren't part of the future. I, I think we eventually will. But, uh, you know, you, you want to see as much of these guys as you can because right now it's clear what this team is building towards. It's not the 2022 playoffs. And 2023 playoffs is going to be hard to come by. But, you know, you don't – the way you surprise is not with – a bunch of Schwindels and Ortegas. It's with a bunch of young guys uh, playing better than people expected, and it's with it's with a couple key moves being made and saying, "Okay, I am going to spend a little bit, but you don't. No team part of part of the way you build this team up, you're going to have to do some of it through free agency, right?" But when they're right on the verge, when Pete Crow Armstrong is coming up and, and Caleb Killian has established himself as a uh, as a rotation piece and Brennan Davis looks like an all-star player by 2024 or not they, they can't do all their free agent shopping right before then, right? Would that make any sense? What team goes and buys three high-level free agents and then says, yep, now we have our team in one offseason? That's a really poor – that's a good way to screw things up. So they have to spend again this winter and then the winter after that to really build a powerful team. There's no there's no uh winters off because it's like ah, the prospects aren't ready yet. We we don't spend this this winter. So you you can't do it uh, and note all in one. That winter. they
1: signed Marcus Stroman and say no, Suzuki, yes, yeah, this yeah, offseason, yeah, yeah. which which yeah. is the same point that you're making.
2: Yeah, that's what that's all part of it. You stack free agent classes on top of each other and build through the system. And trade from the system and keep generating talent after you've (laughs) traded those guys and promoted guys like it's not this isn't a one off process. This is a constant thing that needs to be done because the Cubs aren't it's unacceptable for the Cubs to take time off and say like, oh, we're building something special for this period of time. No. You build something special for every year. That's the goal. And and if you can't do it in 2022, you set your sights on how do we get to at least a better spot in
3: 2023. It's funny with the PCA news. I mean, one, the fact that people just call him PCA when he, until yesterday, had never played above the low A level. Uh, but that was what popped on Twitter yesterday. There was all these rostering moves, all this stuff going on even throughout the day with the Seiya Suzuki news. And maybe it's just like bitter Mets fans and like (laughs) overeager Cubs fans. But that generated just a lot of impressions on social media. And, And I even looked at our colleagues, you know, Twitter feeds like Megan's and Maddie's and Jordan's and they saw it they had it too. I'm just looking at like retweets and likes and comments
1: and stuff like that. It was PCA. And can I, yeah. Can I make an observation on that quickly? So that is the first time I can remember the the entire beat reporting on and covering a low a to high a promotion for someone who wasn't like Chris Bryant or, you know what I mean? Who wasn't like a draft pick like that.
3: Yeah. And it's not like, it's okay. Now he's at triple a and he's like one phone call away. It's like, no, he's going to be playing at Four Winds Field or whatever uh, it's called in South Bend. And, like, uh, you know, his numbers were pretty awesome. He is a first round pick, Team USA guy, um, has that, uh, you know, X Mets thing where people were already on my timeline were making references to um, who is the guy in the Robinson Cano, Edwin Diaz trade? Jared Kalenic. Okay, they're like this is this is way worse than Kalenic. <laughs> like all this other stuff, and because so- <laughs> he
1: is stunk. So, but although there's your caution, Cubs fans, because he was a superstar rising young through the minor leagues and then hit a wall. Top five big prospect.
2: Leagues. So that's why you yeah. got to. That's another point that we made last week. You got to self evaluate.
3: But yeah, it did bring me back to like the early KB days of just like, you know, all right, well, I need to. He was nowhere close to Wrigley Field yesterday, but I have to put his name in a headline somewhere because that's what Cubs fans care about.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right.
1: I am I am that Cubs fan he's like ah PCA he's going to be great he's going to have just PCA across the back. Oh of man, it's
3: 2028 when he's taking the Cubs to arbitration and we're thinking, they're thinking about maybe trading him,
1: uh, here, uh <laughs> that I, people were making that joke or, or, I was also about like, man, can you believe the Cubs traded PCA in 2029? Those assholes. Uh, maybe Michael, our producer, you can leave a lot of this in. This is gold. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So among the other, let's, let's flip back to the big league side um, because I, I did appreciate, you know, when you look at Swarmer and Espinoza, let's hang on them for a moment. Um, you know, Swarmer was a, a great story. Uh, he was a D2 draft pick in 2016, worked his way up through the Cubs system, had a couple years of struggle during the pandemic. He was pitching in a men's league because he just needed to face guys and uh, he's now 28, and he really started putting together results over the last 12 months at Iowa. And, you know, it, it's it's a guy who I thought it was very apropos that the last Cubs pitcher to come up homegrown internally and throw six-plus innings was Dallas Beeler, who was in that <laughs> period of time, 2014, where we were like, some guys are starting to arrive. They're not the guys, but they, you know... So I I found an interesting parallel there. But one big difference is Swarmer, like so much more of the Cubs' system right now, has swing and miss stuff. Now, he only has two pitches. I seriously debate whether he could be a starting pitcher in the big leagues with two pitches. But, like, I don't think it was that hard to see the fastball slider mix and be like, well, that's a big, big league slider. Easy. I mean, I've seen some good sliders, and that's a good slider. He could contribute. And so... It it makes me maybe overly optimistic. And then you see Espinosa, who I know has been struggling at AA, also a great story, didn't pitch from 2017 to 2020, four years, multiple surgeries, former top prospect. He comes up and contributes. And you, again, you look at the individual pitches and you're like, I could see a big league pitcher there. I don't think he can start. I think maybe another relief guy. And these are not guys that we were talking about. So it's sort of like, maybe there's your hopeful angle. If you're a Cubs fan is that the guys who are coming up now are not the guys who are getting the hype and attention. And yet you can see the bones there of a big leaguer and in contributing in some way, again, not, not a tide turner, but like a contributor. And so, I don't know. I think you could take something positive away from that. Even on a day when the Cubs lose a couple of games to the Brewers and look outclassed in a lot of ways, um, you know, I, given what this year is, I left yesterday feeling pretty good, actually.
2: Yeah, I I mean, I think that's what you need, right? You need guys that contribute in some fashion. And even if they're not, not everybody that comes up through the system is going to be that and that helps you win is going to be a top 100 prospect. Not everybody that comes up through the system and helps you win is going to be a superstar, right? I mean, this is what we talked about. Uh, what we've been talking about for years. The Cubs couldn't even develop relievers. They couldn't develop – like David Bodie was like this big revelation because he was bar- brought up through the system and and was an actual guy that could contribute off the bench in a way and be a utility guy. They didn't have that from like 2015 to 2020 for the most part. It was – there were so few guys that were able to do that. So what happens is you end up spending money on on guys like that, and it's minimal, Right. But you end up spending money on guys like that. You have to fill out your bullpen because you can't because you can't get anyone that can actually, you know, produce in the bullpen through your system. So you're not just trying to buy closers, you're trying to buy setup guys, you're you're doing everything, you're buying fifth starters, you're spending money on Tyler Chatwood, on Jason Hamill, because you can't you can't develop any of these guys. So that adds up, and then you can't, when you when you need to replace Ben Zobrist, you either can't produce them from the system and you don't have money because you just spent so much on all these other things, including the superstars, which they should continue to spend on, right? You want to spend money on superstars. You don't want to have to spend money on the role players or the back-end rotation guys or the setup guys. If you, can produ- if you can produce those from your system and some superstars and then have more money left over to spend on additional superstars, that's how you build a, a great team, right? And that's, I think that's part of what they need to do over these next you know over the next year you need to see what kind of role players you have what kind of players who this guy can contribute this kind of guy can contribute and you surprise through young players surprising right that's uh, that's that has to be the hope um and and i i can see like a, a path to rail contention the way they work things probably 2024 I like in my own head I have I have a path to contention in 2023 but it's not something I don't think Jed would do it right but it, it, there's a there's a path to contention a surprise contention in 2023 with all these little guys coming up and helping out Uh, you can build a real team here that's that's how you do it and it, it's nice to see. I agree on Swarmer. Like, I don't think any of those guys are starters. We're waiting for Caleb Killian. That's the guy that you want to see this year as a rotation piece. You want to see Keegan and and, uh, Steele continue to develop and see what those guys can do. But relievers are important. I know people are just going to dismiss it and not really care, but that's they matter. It matters uh, not really now, (laughs) but in the long run, if if you can get a handful of these guys to stick in the bullpen and really be – important pieces uh that that helps
3: i don't want to give the cubs too much credit here because their season is basically over at the end of may like they've gotten a lot of things wrong over the years but i will allow for this something that Sahadev had written about after the darvis trade and brett you mentioned on a recent uh podcast here like the Cubs' international development system has kind of been broken since like the gleiber Eloy years that we have not seen a lot of guys, you know, these guys that give big money to like something along the lines just hasn't worked. And to see a guy like Morel come up with so much joy and energy and the ability to play in David Ross's eyes an elite center field and a legitimate big league shortstop like those guys don't grow on trees and velasquez yes will have a swing and miss to his game some (laughs) extreme hot and cold streaks but i mean this is someone the cubs graded out at least from certain parts of the scouting department as like a second round talent and they got him in the fifth round and it took a while and like this is a guy who bought into a lot of changes and that there was a holistic approach from strength and conditioning to keep him on the field to the hitting department, making some swing adjustments. Like There are some hows and whys here that if you're an optimistic Cubs fan that you can cling to, if you're a member of the front office trying to sell this to your bosses and to the general public. like This is not nothing, and these guys are interesting. They're fun to watch. They are at the like right age where you can kind of like see what you have. There's lots of raw physical skills. They have this great bond that they talked about yesterday in the clubhouse of Morel being like, you know, we're brothers. The only thing that's missing is the blood between us. And Nelson with a big smile on his face, uh, two lockers over from uh, Morel's being like, he's my bestie. Like, I don't know even my cynical heart was warmed by some of this (laughs) yesterday that's just like all right like let's see what these guys got it's better than some of this like placeholders and just this like march towards the trade deadline of you know asset accumulation and um uh shedding of expiring contracts and you know um clearing money from the books like I don't know these guys you know as someone told me like in the organization like nelson is a baller like you know these guys love the game and want to play every day and show what they can do and i don't know it's kind of time to see what you got and this will lead to some really awkward roster conversations as we go forward and you know i do think it's kind of funny like you know, the Cubs don't have a number one farm system or a good major league team. And everyone's worried about these 40 man roster, you know, decisions like, I don't know, some of these guys are at the bottom of your 40 man roster for a reason. I think there are you know, difficult decisions that, you know, will be made so that they can see what they have in some of these guys, because otherwise, like, what's the point of the next four plus months?
1: All right. Well. This is on to Waveland. Thank you, fine folks, for listening. I'm Brett Taylor. You can catch my stuff at Bleacher Nation. That is Patrick Mooney. Get his. uh, Make sure you read that piece that he wrote about the things that we're talking about. It's it's really good. Uh, And of Sharma. Also, they are both of the Athletic. We will be back at you later this week. Take care, and uh, yeah, have a good have a good midweek. We'll see. We'll see you later.